Thank you so much for this moment right now. Um, we're just in the stillness. Father, we can sing those words of truth and remind ourselves that you're sovereign over absolutely everything. There's not a sparrow that falls, um, that you don't see it, that you don't ordain it. Um, you know the very number of hairs on our head. You know our thoughts before we think them. You know our going out and our coming in, our sitting up and our rising down. You formed us in our mother's wombs, Lord, uh, and you called us by name. And, and Father, we rest in just everything of what your word says about you. And Lord, your promises are great and they are precious. And Lord, I pray that you would please grant us just a little bit of faith, just a mustard seed of faith in our hearts to believe them this morning. Just a little bit. That's all it takes. You said that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be picked up and tossed into the midst of the sea. Father, we trust you this morning, and we thank you, uh, and we just ask that you'd speak to us this morning. That's why we're here. We just want to hear your voice. Um, we have no greater joy, we have no greater delight than to hear you speak to us. Would you please do that in every heart this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, guys. You can have a seat. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. If you got your Bible, grab it. Go to First uh, Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. I'm just going to jump right in. I'm just going to read the text quickly, just to familiarize ourselves with it. First Peter chapter two, uh, verses twelve through seventeen. First Peter two, verses twelve through seventeen, says this: Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Will you just pray with me one more time? Father, I, I thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for your word. Lord, we believe that every stroke of the pen of this book is inspired by you. And Lord, we seek again this morning to submit ourselves to it, uh, knowing that it is ultimately to your glory and for the good of our own souls and our own lives. Uh, Father, please give us ears to hear this morning uh, and open the eyes of our heart that we could see wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So uh, we've been tracking through the book of First Peter for a while. Uh, verses 11 and 12 in First Peter, we talked about verse 11 last week a little bit, uh, and verse 11 and 12 kind of serve as a hinge in the book, uh, where the first part of the book up until this point, Peter has primarily been giving us theological truth 
with a little bit of application and some implications sprinkled in. And now, here in these verses, Peter begins to shift, and now what he's primarily going to focus on through the rest of the book is application, the way that we live our lives uh, with a little bit of theological truth sprinkled in. So he kind of, he kind of flips it. Uh, there's application and theology in both, uh, but now he's primary, primarily focused on uh, our lives. And, and here's just the kind of the big picture as we begin to zoom in on the very specific area or realm that Peter wants, to, uh, wants us to examine and wants to teach us about this morning. But there's, guys, there's absolutely no area of your life that the Bible will not press on, okay? Like, we have to know that there's no area of our life that, like, we can say, like, man, God applies here, his word applies here, I'm following him here as a disciple, but over here, uh, this is just my space. That space does not exist. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he calls us to take up our cross and to follow him in absolutely every area of our lives. We cannot compartmentalize our lives. However, that's what we like to do, Okay. Especially in American Christianity, that's, that's typically what we do, is we have our God space, we have our areas where we worship, we have our areas where we even seek to obey and we're sincere about it, but then we have other areas of our life where, well, no, that's, that, that, that's mine. And I'm saying that's wrong, okay? That's what the Bible, that's what the Bible says. And so, uh, as, as Peter here is now, what he's going to do is, through the rest of the book is focus down on some very specific areas where he wants to see the implications of the gospel come across in our lives. And so, just jumping ahead, looking at the rest of the book, he's going to talk about what it looks like to be, live a gospel-centered life as a servant or as a slave or as, as an employee. He's going to talk about how to live a gospel-centered life when you're suffering, how to live a gospel-centered life using your spiritual gifts, how to live a gospel-centered life as an elder and those who are in authority, but also as those who are under authority, even in a local church. And he's going to talk about what it looks like to have a gospel-centered marriage for husbands and wives to love each other in a way uh, that exalts the gospel. But today, the thing that he's going to talk about, and this is interesting, uh, is politics. He's going to talk about government. And I think it's interesting that when he begins to move into the application of the wonderful truth of the gospel that he's expounded for us in the first uh, uh, chapter and a half here um, in this letter is the first area that he moves to apply it to in a very specific way is in the area of government, government authority, and politics. God and politics. The two things they say you're never supposed to talk about them. We're going to talk about them both. It should be fun. Uh, I just want us to sit a little bit before we jump in to what Peter has for us, because I want you just to think about your life for a second, and your life in the area of government, government authority, of politics, uh, and just what that looks like for you as a disciple up until this point. I want to be very honest with you this morning. Um, This is an area where, as I've been studying this this past week, uh, and I'm always, you know, I'm kind of reading ahead in the letter over and over again as I'm studying week to week, and I see that this was coming, and I just want to confess to you that this is an area for me where I think that I have a lot of room for growth. Um, I'm kind of like, up until this point in my adult life, I'm, I'm kind of like a political agnostic. You know what I mean by that? It's like, so, so an atheist is somebody who just doesn't believe in God at all. Um, when we're talking religion, an atheist is somebody that doesn't believe in God, but a religious agnostic is somebody who's like, well, yeah, there's a God, and 
he probably exists, but you don't really know who he is. I don't know who he is, so, you know, let's just forget about it. And that's kind of how I am politically. I'm like, you know, people are like, who are you voting for? I'm like, Jesus, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. Um, and uh, while, uh, while I do think it'd be awesome to have Jesus for president, and someday he will come back, and, uh, and he'll be, and he'll not be president, but he'll be king, sovereign ruler, Lord uh, over everything. He is already, but we don't fully see him uh, with our eyes yet fully. But uh, while I do think that would, that would be awesome, I think, I think there's room, I know, for me to, to kind of engage more in, in this area. And, and in all these different areas that I listed that we're going to look at in the coming weeks and that Peter is going to apply the gospel to, his primary concern is always for the mission. It's always for the mission. The mission being the message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners and not just have their sins forgiven, although that is glorious. That is awesome. We could talk about that for a long time, how good it is that Almighty God, whose wrath is against each one of us as a rebel, um, born naturally into this world, how he forgives our sins, but he not only forgives our sins, but he makes us his children. He takes those who, were once, who once were far off his enemies, and he brings us near, and he makes us citizens uh, of his kingdom. And, uh, and all that is good, but here, as he's beginning to apply this uh, to the area of politics, the thing that he wants us to understand, guys, is that the world is watching. The world is always watching. And our primary concern as disciples, no matter what area of life, no matter what realm, sphere, whatever word you want to use, that we're engaged in, is we're to do it in such a way and with such an attitude and actions that it causes others to want to worship Jesus. Okay? So again, what we're talking about this morning is, and the question I kind of want to want you to be thinking about as we walk through this is, is the way that you engage in politics, whether that is running for public office or whether it's commenting on a Facebook post, okay, and everywhere in between, is the way that you engage in politics done with an attitude and with actions that would want to cause others to worship Jesus? Are you with me? That's what Peter is concerned about and what uh, he's going to, what he's going to call us to this morning. Um, I think that we forget this, if I'm honest with you. Uh, you know, we, we can get so caught up in, you know, our right-wing stuff that we believe deeply in, and we can get so caught up in our left-wing stuff that we believe deeply in, or you can be kind of like me, where you're just kind of like, who cares, it's all a mess, so forget about it. Uh, but God calls us to engage in every area of life for his honor and for his glory that people would be drawn into his kingdom and that ultimately they could spend eternity with him. And uh, I, I'm actually excited to talk about this this morning, uh, although I wasn't originally, just because I, I was thinking about, you know, coming up this fall, we're going to begin kind of another election cycle and going into 2020. And I, guys, I think there's such opportunity. There's such potential. There's such room for growth, not just for each one of us individually, although it starts there, 
but for us together to engage in the discussion around election and politics and government and authority and, and all those different things. It's such an opportunity to bring glory to Jesus, to bring honor and glory to His, to his name. Uh, and that's why we ultimately exist and what Peter's been exhorting us to here, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks, that every, all of life, that all of life is worship. So here's what I want to do in the text. There's just kind of, there's two kind of primary, primary thoughts here. One is there's one primary command that's given, and I want to take some time unpacking that command so that when Peter talk, t- tells us to engage in politics or in government and, and dealing with government authorities, He's not going to tell us how to vote all the way down through the line or, or who to vote for or, you know, whether we should be uh, Republicans or Democrats or uh, independents or whatever. But what he's primarily going to be talking about is an attitude that we have. And then after that, he's going to give us two perspectives that I think are very interesting and those perspectives that are fueled by his promises and they're going to help us um, to be able to obey that one primary command for his, for his honor and glory. So here's the primary command. This is the primary thought in all of it. It's verse 13. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. The primary command here is to submit, okay, to be, or to be subject, okay, but it's just, it's just the idea of submission. Well, now the obvious question with that is, is and this is why we can't just say, submit, that's what Peter wants, move on. What does that mean? What does it mean to submit to government authorities in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus? Because again, back up in verse 12, verse 12 is more of a general command, but he, it, it applies here to all the specifics that he's rolling out. He says in verse 12, he says that we're to, we're to do good deeds, that the, when the world speaks of us as evildoers, that they're to see our good deeds and to glorify God on the day of visitation. So we're to do these good deeds before a watching world in a way that not brings honor and glory to us, but that brings honor and glory to God. Well, how do you do that? You do it with submission. Well, what does it mean to submit? That's what we need to unpack. Three things, okay? Submission. Obedience, blessing, and honor. Obedience, blessing, and honor. Here's where I get those. Number one, just from the word submit, it, 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 every other place that it's used in the New Testament is talking about submitting ourselves to God, that we obey him, that as disciples of Jesus Christ, part of the Great Commission, he says, is to go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey or to observe all that I've commanded you. Part of our uh, just life as a disciple is that we seek to obey all that he's set before us to do and all that he's commanded. And so you can't get around this idea of submission without talking to obedience, that the default mode that we kind of approach government and government authorities and politics with is that we want to obey wherever we can. We seek to obey everywhere so long as, as that obedience does not cause us to sin or does not cause us to give ultimate allegiance uh, to anyone else. But, but our default mode, the way that we approach the world, okay, and the authorities around us, is that we want to obey. We want to obey. And so just stop there for a second and just apply that to your heart. Do you seek to want to obey the governing authorities that God has put in place? Uh, and again, that's exactly what happens, that God has put them in place. Romans 13 Verses 1 and 2, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that, that exist have been instituted by God. It doesn't get any more plain than that. 
that we would seek to obey. But secondly, not only to obey, and that's probably primarily what we first think of when we think about being subject or submitting to these authorities, but secondly, um, that we would seek to bless. And again, look very carefully at the text. I want you to show, I want to show you where I'm getting this from. So the first command, verse 13, be subject, be subject to every emperor, governor, whoever, then if you follow the flow of thought down to verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good. So up in verse 13, he says, be subject. And again, the primary idea just being obedience. But how do we do that? By, by doing good. This idea of doing good is that it's that we go out of our way to be kind. Okay? How many people, when you think about engaging in politics, you're thinking, I'm going to go out of my way to be kind. That's usually not what happens. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, no matter what your uh, level of participation is in politics, whether you're running for public office and, you know, God bless you if you're, if you're called to that. Does God call Christians to that? Absolutely. Yes and amen. That's great. But can we just talk a little bit about Facebook for a second? Yeah! It's been a while since I've done a Facebook rant, so... Bear with me, because you know this applies. Folks, you are called to honor and glorify Jesus Christ in every single area of your life and to obey him, including on Facebook. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. Now I'm on Facebook, typing hateful things. Stop it. Stop it. As disciples of Jesus Christ, our primary goal is no matter what we're doing, to engage the world in a way that woos people to Jesus, that makes Jesus seem attractive. And the thing that, that fires me up so much, I know it's going to happen again, I'm going to try to grow in my own you know, personal life in regards to government politics and stuff as this next election cycle comes around. But here's, here's the thing, and you, I, I believe this is true. You decide for yourself, but I'm going to argue that it is true for a while. And that's this, is that the way in which we engage in politics in this world is very, very, very revealing as to whether or not our ultimate allegiance is to the kingdom of God. The way in which we engage in politics and government in this world very much reveals whether or not our ultimate allegiance is to the kingdom of God, and it should be to the kingdom of God. But what I mean is this, is that we engage sometimes in politics and political debate uh, in such a way as if Jesus isn't sitting on the throne, and as if he's not Lord of it all. Guys, he is. There is no king that has ever sat on any throne, no president that has ever been elected throughout all of history that ultimately God has not placed him there. And I understand that that can be confusing at times, but let's just go back to the text, the historical context in which Peter is writing this. He's writing this in Nero's day. Paul wrote what I just read out of, out of Romans chapter 13 about there being no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Nero is going to behead Paul 
and he's going to crucify Peter upside down. That's what's coming. And they say, well, he's been placed there by God. And we'll talk more about how that truth and that promise is, is good news and how it applies to our life a little bit later on. But don't forget that. As you engage in, you know, Facebook discussions or whatever, guys, please, please, let your primary concern be for the mission of the advancement of the gospel into absolutely every area of life. We're called to obey. We're called to bless. One of the primary ways we're supposed to do this is with our words. For those of you that call Mercy Hill home, if you'll just, you know, look at the front of your bulletin, our mission statement, what are we trying to do? We're not just trying to create programs and just have mission be something that we do just when we go to Guatemala or just here on Sunday morning or just if we're teaching kids church or just if we're doing an outreach in the community. What is the mission? It's, it's applicable to every single day of our lives, every moment, every time we come in contact with another person. It's to cause them to want to continually worship Jesus. How? By imparting grace with our words, works, gifts, and resources. Ephesians chapter 4 that our words would impart grace to those who hear. What does it mean to be subject to, to submit to the governing authorities so that Jesus will be glorified? It means to obey, it means to bless, and finally, it means to show honor. The very last phrase in this passage, the end of verse 17, well, I'll read the whole, so it says, honor everyone, honor the emperor. Okay? So we're not just honoring the emperor, we're we're honoring everyone, but we're also honoring the emperor. The word honor here, here's what it means. It means to assign value to. How many of you could, just think about that political person, that government official, that is just as far on the other end of the spectrum from your political views as, as there could possibly be. If you're, if you're on the right, man, this guy is far left. If you're on the left, man, this guy, this guy is far right. Here's what Jesus Christ calls you to do as a disciple. Assign value to them. That person is valuable. They're created in the image of God, and our job, if we're going to actually work this out, is to love them. doesn't mean that we can't disagree, but we can do it with gentleness and respect and in a way that honors that person. And this is completely flown out the window, of course, in our culture, but it's expected to be so in our culture. But guys, not in the church. Not in the church. Not amongst Christians. The way that we engage in political discussions is to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And if there's no difference in the way that we engage in politics from the way the world engages in politics, then we are not advancing the kingdom of God. Amen. Are you with me? And there is massive room for growth here. And again, I know we're, we're talking about something very specific but guys, it is an opportunity where the church as a whole, and listen, all we can be responsible for is us here at Mercy Hill, at our local fellowship, that amongst us, that we're going to engage in politics differently, <laughs> differently from what, from what the world does. Um, and following Jesus, following Jesus usually means that you're going to end up kind of standing by yourself, that where the world wants to, you know, it's always just two sides, the left and the right. Republican, Democrat, whatever. Um, 
Following Jesus usually creates a third way. Can I get that picture up on the screen, Conrad? I don't know how many of you guys uh, follow this, but back on June 2nd, uh, Franklin Graham had called for, like a, for a, just a, a day of prayer for our president. And, uh, um, and so there were uh, churches all over the country that, that came together to pray uh, for the president. Um, and uh, this is David Platt. He pastors um, McLean uh, Bible Church. Uh, it's a multi-site uh, church in the uh, D.C. metro area, in and around Washington, D.C. Multiple services, pretty big church. And, and in between services, he was just getting ready uh, to go out and, and to lead the next service. And uh, all of a sudden, the Secret Service <laughs> kind of caught him, caught him backstage in, in his office. And they said, hey, uh, the president's here and would like you to pray for him. Did you guys hear about this? How many of you followed this at all? Yeah? And... Uh, and he was, you know, I mean, what, what do you do? <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, okay, you know, great. And so they brought him, very quickly brought him in, and uh, him and another pastor just uh, uh, shared the gospel with him, they said. And then he just took him out, and he, he uh, President Trump didn't say anything, uh, but he just, uh, David Flatt just got up, and he read from First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and it says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so he read that passage, and then he laid his hand on him, and he prayed for him. Now, here's what was really interesting. Okay, I don't know. I, I, David Platt is not a perfect man, but I don't know what he could have possibly done, done better. Um, uh, I have no problem at all with, with, with what he did. But you would not believe, I don't know, you know, this is where uh, I'm not real big on social media, but just even in the podcast and some of the stuff that I listen to, you would not believe the criticism that David Platt came under. He came under tremendous, tremendous criticism um, from both from both the left and the right, that they thought that he was promoting Trump. He's like, I did, he just showed up, you know, and he said he wanted prayer, so I'm gonna, you know, obey the scripture and, 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 and pray for him. And then, uh, and then later on, um, uh, well, David Platt's congregation has a, uh, um, uh, it's very multi-ethnic, black, white, Hispanic, and everything else. And, uh, um, and so many people love Trump, and there are many people that absolutely do not like Trump at all within his, within his congregation. And so uh, he later, uh, you know, wrote a letter the next day saying he, he didn't mean to cause any disunity, but he, he was just being obedient to the scriptures and, pl- and praying for the president. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's, and that's what he did. And man, both, I mean, in fact, just the next week um, at, a, uh, at a pastor's conference, uh, he said that I somehow managed to be labeled in Washington both a far right-wing conservative and a far left-wing liberal within 24 hours, and that is not easy to do. Um, and it was true. I mean, people were just, you know, like, say, oh, well, you know, and then the conservatives would say, well, why are you even apologizing? You don't need to apologize for it. You're, you're we, you have no backbone. Do you even think you need to apologize? Even though he wasn't really apologizing, he was just saying, like, guys, we just, I want us to be unified, and I don't want to undermine the gospel. Anyway, here, here, here's the point. I don't have time to go in and explain everything that was said and stuff. But here's the point is that is that when you just act biblically, you usually end up getting hammered from all sides. And, and I just want to remind us about that for a second, 
as we examine our lives. Because guys, to follow Jesus usually ends up that we end up standing alone being crucified. That's why he said, he said, they, 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 they hated me. They're going to hate you. If you want to come after me, take up your cross and follow me. But this happens when we live a life like Jesus, who also, again, as I'm unpacking submission, what it means to be subject, who obeyed, blessed, and honored. And that's what God calls us to do. No matter how conservative we grew up, no matter how liberal we grew up, guys, that's what he calls us to do. And I just want you, again, the challenge to you this morning is very simple, very clear. It doesn't rhyme. It's not alliterated, okay? It's, a, it's just, are you following Jesus in your life when it comes to the area of politics and government authority? Are you acting biblically? Because if you're not, then you're not advancing the mission and you're showing that your primary concern is not for the kingdom of God that your ultimate allegiance does not lie there. And again, I've already confessed to you this morning, I have room for growth in this area of my life. And my guess is, is that all of us have room for growth in this, in this area of our, of our lives, okay? So that's the primary command, is that we would submit. And what does it mean to submit? Obey, bless, and honor. Obey, bless, and honor. Now, he gives two I'll say this, they're like promise-shaped perspectives, uh, one of which I've kind of wandered into a little bit already, uh, and then another one that I think is just, is just awesome. But the first one is this, is that he gives us this, this perspective uh, to view this through, is that do not view your obedience to authority as endorsing an enemy, okay? I think that's the reason why we have a problem with um, wanting to say anything good about somebody that we disagree strongly with. And we may be, and we may be right. It's because we believe that if we say anything good about them that, that we're somehow endorsing them as an enemy. And that's just not the case. We're to bless, we're to, we're to honor where we can because they're created in the image of God. But here's the thing, don't view your obedience to authority as endorsing an enemy, but view it as worshiping God, as worship to God. And again, verse 13, I kind of skipped over this, but look very carefully. Similar to what Paul said in Romans chapter 13, he says, be subject, why though? See what he says? Be subject, why? For the Lord's sake. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. There is a way that we can obey government authorities even when we don't agree with them, but we obey them not as just an act of like endorsing all that they stand for, but as an act of worship to God. That all of our lives, guys, is to be worshipped. Singing is just, you hear me say this all the time. Singing, what we just did, that's one way that we worship. But the Bible has a higher view of worship than that. That Romans chapter 12, it says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. That in every area of our life, as we obey, we're worshiping God. And, and what Peter's saying here is that, man, we can, even engaging in politics, it's an opportunity to worship. And see, I like the idea of an opportunity to worship. I don't like just the idea of engaging in politics. But if I can view politics, if I can change my perspective and say, no, 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 this is an opportunity for me to worship here. As I engage in these conversations, um, as I engage these people um, and their views, it's an opportunity for me to worship God. And the second thing he says here 
Uh, and again, it's a little bit uh, clouded uh, in the English language, but it's very clear in the Greek. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That word institution um, it's, it exists 19 times in the New Testament, 17 out of those 19 times. Uh, it's usually translated creature or creation. Okay, and so it's almost always uh, translated cre- creature or creation. The reason they put it as institution here is just because of the context. Uh, but but here's, here's the point that Peter's making. Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human creature. Like, guys, don't, don't forget these people in authority, these people in power, they're just people. They're just people. And we can lose, we can lose sight of that so many times. Um, but he wants us to see here that when we willingly submit to people and seek to obey, to bless, to honor, that what it really is is worship to God. And then secondly, the second perspective, I love this. I love this, this verse. It's right in the midst of all this practical talk about government and politics and submission. You're like, what's going on? He just gives this awesome gospel truth. Remember, I said he's primarily talking application, but he continues to just sprinkle in the gospel all over the place. Verse 16 love this. Live as people who are free. Can you all say that with me? Ready? Live as people who are free. One more time. Live as people who are free. Who has set us free? Jesus. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Meaning if you've come under the blood of Christ, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in his death, burial, and resurrection, and that his sacrifice is enough, folks, no matter what governing authorities are over you, even if it's Nero who might behead you or crucify you upside down, you are free in Jesus Christ. So listen to me, folks. As you engage in the Facebook conversations or in, you know, talks at your local coffee shop or running for office or for whatever, here's the point. Do not be afraid. Being afraid is the fruit of being a slave and being in bondage. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, you have been set free. Amen? That is good news. And I love the way, do you see, I just want you to, I just want to stop for a second. Because, guys, I want you to see this. Guys, how the gospel influences and impacts and changes the way we view the world. That if you understand what it means to be free in Christ, that the same God that raises up kings and tears down kings, that raises up nations and world powers and tears them down. That same God is my Father. And He's your Father if you've been born again and are in Jesus Christ. There is no reason to be afraid. And so no matter whether the most right-wing conservative gets the presidency or no matter if the most flaming liberal Democrat gets the presidency, Folks, do not be afraid. It's all in our Father's hands. He's got it. Live as people who are free. Are you living this way? Are you living in the sphere of politics and government as somebody who is free? Slaves live in fear, but the free live courageously. 
We don't have time to do it, but just as part of kind of my cross study for uh, looking at this passage this morning, um, the, the Bible, it doesn't have a whole lot of teaching. Like there's this area, there, um, there, there's this passage here, there's Romans chapter 13, and a few others where it's mentioned in terms of like just abstract, like didactic teaching. Here's what you, you're, you're to do. But the Bible is filled with examples of lives of people who engage in politics. In fact, it's really interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but <clears throat> the last six or seven chapters of the book of Acts all follow Paul's life, and they all follow the storyline uh, over the course of several years that he's imprisoned, where uh, he is engaging with different governing authorities, Felix and Festus and King Agrippa and Queen Bernice, and ultimately he appeals to Caesar. And again, it's not just this didactic teaching on what we should do, but it's an example of how we are to engage uh, the, the government and political world in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus. And throughout that narrative, if you get a chance this afternoon, just sit down and read uh, like Acts 22, 23 through the end of the book, uh, it's 28 chapters, um, and just see the way that Paul gets opportunity time and time again to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ in all that he's done. And he does it not as somebody who's afraid. What are they going to think? He does it as a free man. He does it as a free man. And guys, God has set us free. And we are to live as people who are free. Not being afraid of anybody because everybody else is just a human. But there's one person, again, end of verse, middle of verse 17, fear God. That's who, that's who we're to fear. Um, worship team, you can come up and we're going to close. I don't think there's any better example of this, though, than Jesus Christ himself when he was here on this earth and uh, the God-man put on flesh, added to his divinity, humanity, fully God, fully man, lived to die, then be raised to life again. In John chapter 18, now towards the end of his life, um, through all the scheming and plots of man, uh, but also because he was willing to lay down his life primarily, Jesus is now standing, standing before, before Pilate. And Pilate questions him and asks him if he's a king. And Jesus answers and he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate asked him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to, them, said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside again to the Jews and told them, he said, I find no guilt in them. Then chapter 19, it says, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man, when the chief priests 
and the officers saw him. They cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, I, take him for yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he is claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And Jesus said to him, listen. And Jesus said to him, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Here's the point. Is that Jesus stood before Pilate and before the crowd, his hands bound, already having been beaten, a mocking purple robe on his shoulders, his face bruised from being punched, and a crown of thorns pushed down on his head. And he stood before all the ruling, governing authorities of that day. But I'm telling you, he stood before them as a free man. He stood before them as a free man because he was perfectly submitted to the Father. And even there, in the face of being threatened with death itself, he knew who was in control. And I ask you this morning, folks, please, do you know who's ultimately in control? It's not whoever sits in the White House. It's not who sits in Congress. It's no king that sits on any throne in this world. The one who's ultimately in control is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one that we just read about that stood there, outwardly bound but inwardly free because he'd come from the Father. And if you have received the good news of the gospel, folks, you are free too. You are free. Let's live like it. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Father, would you please work in our hearts and in our church in such a way that the way that we engage with politics and with governing authorities would make the world wonder because we would have no fear but that we would seek out of the overflow of our hearts to obey, to bless, and to honor even our enemies, especially our enemies, because that's what you did to us. We who were once your enemies, you have brought near by your sacrifice. Lord, we love you and we thank you that this is in your word and that you give us instruction on how to live as free people. In Jesus' name, amen.